1 Timothy 5, verse 17 through 25, these are God's words. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest may also fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. Those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So as the Apostle has put uh, Timothy in charge of uh, the Reformation in Ephesus, and among that has been the uh, training and ordaining of new officers, uh, as we've been considering, especially since chapter 3, there is also the uh, treatment and conduct of the officers once they are in office. And this is a tricky thing, because... Uh, even as you follow 1 Timothy 3 and the qualifications for the office of elder, etc., office of overseer, there are still in the eldership uh, men who rule well, uh, as verse 17 describes, uh, and then those who are sinning, those who uh, are unrepentant and practicing sin, Uh, as in verse 20. Uh, And sometimes it is immediately obvious uh, which is which. Verse 24, some men's sins are clearly evident. And verse 25, likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. Uh, And sometimes it takes investigation. Uh, It takes uh, carefulness and persistence in inquiring. Uh, So some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. You already know they're wicked even before you start the trial. doesn't mean that you're necessarily prejudiced, prejudging them in the trial, but you could see it before you start it. Uh, some, uh, you don't discover that they are sinful until you have uh, followed the procedure. Those of some men will follow later. Verse 24. Similarly, as you conduct investigation and inquire into things, uh, sometimes you will find uh, that there were good works that weren't clearly evident, but upon investigation they could not be hidden. Uh, This is especially the case, because just as the wicked try to hide their evil works, so also the good are careful to be humble about uh, their good works. They do it not for the eyes of man, but for the eyes of God. Uh, And yet the Lord assures his servant that patience and diligence uh, will be rewarded. Well, the elder who rules well here is... Uh, said to be counted worthy of double honor. Uh, This is related to, verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. And uh, as we have seen going through the chapter, these are widows who 
uh, are on the payroll as those who pray night and day. They continue in supplication and prayer uh, night and day. Uh, and they are uh, cared for by the church, not merely as uh, those who are afflicted, but those who are the honored, the ones who, uh, having lived the maturing, seasoning portion of their life with husband and children, keeping the house and lodging the strangers, uh, washing the saints' feet, relieving the afflicted, etc., have been trained through that by the Holy Spirit uh, to treasure their fellowship with God and continue in prayer night and day. Uh, and this is describing something then that is more than merely just making sure that they have uh, clothing and food. Well, the honor of the widow in verse 3 is half of the honor of the elder who rules well in verse 17. The implication is uh, that even if an elder receives a salary for uh, his, uh, to use the phrase that we were, saw in Acts 18, to, uh, even if he makes a salary from his tent-making job, uh, he should also be uh, considered worthy of receiving a salary for his labor as an elder. Uh, and the apostle marshals two scriptures, one from Deuteronomy and one from the Gospel of Luke. He quotes Luke chapter 10, verse 7 here as scripture. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. That's from Deuteronomy. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. That's from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, you will run into people. I still run into them, sometimes church officers even. May the Lord have mercy on his church. Who say that uh, the who say that the contents of the New Testament or the identity of the New Testament scriptures was not determined until hundreds of years after Christ, then uh, only by church councils and so forth. Well, uh, that is quite obviously not the case, since the apostle is already referring to the Gospel of Luke as scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 5. The, the scripture was being recognized as scripture as it was written. Uh, and we can uh, go to what he says to the Corinthians uh, about those who uh, have uh, the spirit or consider themselves a prophet, uh, one of the things that they do is recognize that Paul is writing to them by the Holy Spirit. Sorry. And Peter refers to Paul's writings as among the scriptures uh, and so forth. Um, so he appeals to the scripture to say that uh, elders should draw a salary. Uh, and then... Uh, those who labor in the word and doctrine, that is, they don't have other work, uh, but their all-day, everyday work uh, is to labor in the word and doctrine, the word and teaching, so preaching and teaching, uh, that they are to be counted worthy of double honor, which perhaps indicates uh, that the church should not be stingy with them, even up to twice uh, a normal salary. And if it's the sort of man that has been uh, described in 1 Timothy 3, he's not covetous, he's not greedy for gain, doesn't love silver, and so forth, then there's no problem in uh, paying such a man a very large sum, uh, you know, a double average salary, uh, because this man, of course, will be uh, giving money uh, to the poor, giving money for the work of the gospel, 
uh, everything that is his anyway, whether it's money or otherwise. Uh, he will be pouring out as a drink offering. He will be glad to spend and be spent uh, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the church. Um, but that's uh, the parallel then between verse 3 uh, and verse 17. Well, what about those who don't rule well? What about those who um, uh, who are sinning? Uh, well, they present a few problems. Uh, one uh, great problem is uh, that Timothy is in danger of sinning with them. Uh, and so the Lord uh, says, do not, uh, do not share in other people's sins, verse 22, keep yourself pure, uh, which means that uh, it is necessary that he not overlook what they are doing, uh, and uh, that as he receives accusation, he would only do so in accordance with the law of God. Uh, verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. So you are not to be hasty in judgment. They are they are to be treated with the same regard for uh, how God says to investigate justly uh, in verse 19. Uh, and yet they are not to be uh, treated with favoritism either towards them. Uh, and so uh, the one danger was that he would share in their sins. Another danger uh, is that he would be prejudiced or uh, that he would act with partiality. Uh, and the apostle reminds Timothy uh, that it's not just in front of the elders and it's not just in front of the church, uh, but especially it is before God, before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, the judge, and even before the elect angels, uh, the chosen or holy angels, uh, who God prevented from falling by his mercy, by his power, uh, and that all these uh, are paying attention to whether or not uh, the minister of the gospel conducts himself justly and conducts himself purely. Uh, and so it is uh, quite the fearful thing. And so uh, Timothy is instructed not to be hasty in the first place. If you take your time examining the qualifications uh in accordance with 1 Timothy 3, and you don't relax the standards because you really need to have elders or because you really like this guy or because his family has been in the church for a long time, if you're not hasty in laying on hands, uh, that will go a long way not to have to go through uh, the verse 19 and uh, verse 24 process. Uh, however, uh, if they are sinning, if accusations come, uh, and there's investigation, and they are discovered to be sinning, uh, then it is necessary that they be rebuked, and not rebuked in a corner, or rebuked behind closed doors, rebuked in a session, rebuked in executive session uh, of an elders' meeting. They are to be rebuked in the presence of all, uh, so that the rest also may fear. And this is both the rest of the elders, that they may fear sinning, and the rest of the congregation. Uh, that they may see that even an elder may be caught in sin and uh, captured by his remaining sin and backslide uh, and the great danger that our remaining sin poses to us. Uh, and those who do not engage in church discipline and church discipline against the elders uh, are not 
protecting the congregation uh, from the harm that comes from their remaining sin. We see here that one of the main things, or one of the things that a church and a minister of the gospel must do is teach his congregation to continue to fear sinning. Now, sadly, we actually live in an age in which the idea that we should be afraid of sinning or that we should feel guilt when we sin or that we should work hard not to sin, all of these are treated by many people who think themselves experts in the gospel and great lovers of what they call grace but as no grace at all, um, this idea of fearing sinning and fighting against sin and being ashamed of sin and investigating sin and punishing sin, uh, they treat that idea as if it is somehow incompatible with the gospel. Uh, but fearing uh, remaining sin and fearing backsliding into sin is so necessary that the apostle here gives instruction for the manner in which a um, an elder who is found guilty in the judicial process is to be rebuked uh, in order that the rest also may fear. Uh, well, this all uh, may sound very uh, difficult to do. Uh, and in fact, uh, this is why verse 23 lands in the middle of this passage. It's quite obvious that verses 17 through 22 and 24 through 25 are all uh, treating the same thing. So why is it here that the apostle tells Timothy, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent, uh, and New King James puts infirmities uh, in the text, uh, and then illnesses in the footnote, uh, but it misses... Uh, the most common translation of the word, perhaps because uh, Thomas Nelson is a Baptist publisher, or was a Baptist publisher at one point, weaknesses. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent weaknesses. Now, it's possible that Timothy had some physical condition uh, that led to him being uh, timid uh, or unable to follow through, uh, and he needs physical strength in order to lead the church well, especially in light of the fact uh, that elders uh, need to be held accountable and either uh, double-honored, verse 17, or rebuked in the presence of all, uh, verse 20. Uh, but the word stomach can also be used, and was also used, the way we use it when we say he doesn't have the stomach for that, or he lacks the guts to do that. Uh, and it may even be uh, that a little bit of wine, notice the word little in verse 23, uh, he still has to uh, keep and follow the Lord's instruction uh, that he not be a man who is given to wine. That was one of the qualifications of an elder. And yet a little bit of wine may be in order uh, before uh, a hearing in church court or a session meeting uh, or uh, to help the um, the young pastor uh, not uh, be over-anxious uh, as he faces that which will, he will have to do in the ministry. So whether it's physical or um, whether it's a physiological help uh, for weakness of constitution, uh, he is to marshal the use of all of God's good gifts. And you would add in verse 23 things like you know, eat a balanced diet and get exercise and 
make sure that you are uh, sleeping correctly. Use all of God's good gifts. Uh, and yet Timothy, who apparently knew that with respect to other things, uh, was trying to abstain from wine altogether. Uh, and the apostle in verse 23 says, no, uh, the moderate appropriate use of wine is something that is going to be necessary for you uh, in leading the elders of the church well and holding them accountable and leading the church in honoring those who do well and in fearing uh, the rebuke that comes to those who don't. So make sure you use all of God's uh, good gifts. Uh, this, of course, corresponds to what we saw uh, him saying earlier uh, at the beginning of chapter 4 uh, and how uh, there is a demonic man-made uh, approach to abstaining from things that God has created good as if they were evil uh, and we should make good use of all God's good gifts. So, not uh, organized into the you know, three points or two or four points like we uh, often do, but I hope that uh, if you come back to this portion of 1 Timothy 5, uh, you'll be able to see uh, what the Apostle is saying here for the church. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to bless it to us. Or ask for the Holy Spirit to bless it to us. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given your Son to be our mediator and that he is building the church and that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And yet, O oh Lord, uh, you tell us to uh, flee temptation and to flee youthful lusts, uh, to flee our sin. So we pray that you'd help us to take our sin seriously. Uh, and we pray that you would help the churches uh, to take sin seriously, uh, especially among the eldership, so that the congregation as a whole uh, may be all on the same page. We pray that you would be giving your churches those elders who do rule well, who are worthy of a double honor, who are the occasion not of the congregation having to be reminded by rebuke to fear, uh, but rather men who are an example, uh, whose salary is a reminder uh, of the worth of their labor and the worth of their example to the flock. And so we pray, Lord, for your churches, and we pray for us, for ourselves, for our church, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, give us uh, only such men as are worthy of double honor. And we pray that our boys would grow up to be such men. Grant to us that we would not be hasty in things, cutting corners and ending up in situations where we have brought much grief to ourselves and to your church uh, by doing something too quickly or incompletely. Uh, and grant to us that uh, we would not put hope in self-made rules and religion, but that we would make good use of all of your good gifts, since we are so needy and so weak uh, and must be supported by all of your mercies uh, in order to serve well. And grant then especially the help of your Holy Spirit, who is your great good gift. We who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children. But you, our good and wise and loving Heavenly Father, much more give the Holy Spirit, uh, and we ask for him through Christ. Amen.